I knew you could do it. All right, if you got your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to go on a little journey. We're going to tell a story this morning. So um, I'm going to I'm going to give you a heads up that the order on the screen is not correct. Uh, I did not give them in the correct order. Uh, so I want you to go to Luke chapter one, verse twenty nine first. Then I want you to put your finger in Matthew chapter one. Then we're going to come back to Luke chapter two. Uh, this morning to tell a story, but before we do that, I'm going to tell a story, all right? So before we get to the scripture, that'll give you a little bit of time while you're finding it. Um, There, uh, I'm going to tell you a story. I want to ask the question, can you tell me uh, how many times that you have been gripped by fear? I, I tell you, I can't tell you how many times over the years of my life that there has been times when I have been gripped by fears. It may have been something that you could pinpoint, uh, something that you can name, or it may have been what we commonly call nameless fear. You didn't know why you were afraid. You didn't even know what was causing your fear, but you knew that you were afraid. That fear kept you awake at night. You thought about it during the day. It soon began to affect everything you did, and no matter what you did, that fear would not go away. It just wouldn't leave. Fear takes on many forms. The truth of the matter is that we're afraid of a lot of things, including things that surround Christmas. Now you might be saying, well, preacher, why are you talking about fears around Christmas time? Isn't this supposed to be the happiest time of year? Yes, it is, but yet there are many, many kinds of fears that grip us all through the year. Did you know that there is an official name for the fear of the Christmas tree? Um, It's a real phobia that is a subset of uh, another phobia, a fear of trees called uh, dendrophobia, dendrophobia, which is absolutely a fear of trees. So there are those who fear Christmas trees. I I noticed that if you go on the internet, and of course you can find anything on the internet, but there are websites that are out there specifically designed so that uh, we can, can explore the various kinds of fears that we as human beings deal with every day in our lives. Fear is a very real thing. It is a real thing that can control a person's entire life. It may seem rather odd to be talking about fears during the Christmas time, But there was a message spoken by the angels of the Lord in the events surrounding the birth of our Savior, the Lord. Uh, It's an important message that it was repeated several times, almost as if God wanted to emphasize this message to us this morning. God wanted to be sure that we heard these words. So he says the same thing over and over again to us. No, it isn't, he shall save his people from their sins. Even though that is an important message that God gave to us. It wasn't, where is he who is born of the king of the Jews? Though that was an important question for us to answer. It wasn't even glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Though, my friends, that is the good news of the great joy of Christmas. The message that God emphasized to those present at his birth, the birth of his son, 
the Son, Jesus Christ, who was born in Bethlehem in a manger so long ago, was not any of those things but this, fear not. That's right. Four times. The events surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ, God spoke through angels and said unto humanity, fear not. And I believe that today God is trying to speak through His angels in His Word to us today as He said through His birth of His Son, Jesus Christ, that we can fear not. We've skimmed over this message so many times throughout the years that I believe that we, we've been caught up with so many other things that we miss these important words. But if we take the time, and that's why the, event, uh, the Advent uh, devotional is so important. It's a time for you to slow down, to look to God's Word and a message from the Lord that just speaks directly to us about this time of year. I think if we took the time to, to read through the gospel story of the birth of Christ slowly and meticulously, asking the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts as we read, I believe that we would hear and see things that we have not heard and seen in a long time. We would begin to recognize some things that God wants to remind us that we need to make a part of this wonderful occasion called Christmas. When we take the time to slow down, to read, and to hear from God, I believe we will hear those echoing words over and over again. Fear not, fear not, for I have come. If you don't mind, let's stand as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord and follow me as we go through a story today. In Luke's gospel in chapter 1, I want to begin in verse 29 and read through verse 37. You know how they give you the screen and all of that? They put me in the dark. So I have to kind of focus here and try to see these words. Them lights just don't do it. All right. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of the kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore... Also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month of her, for who was called barren? For with God nothing shall be impossible. Then if you would, follow me over to Matthew chapter 1, just for a couple of verses. In Matthew chapter 1, we read the story of Joseph this morning. In verses 20 and 21, we read these. But while he thought 
on those things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not. Take thee upon Mary thy wife, for which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Then again, back to Luke chapter 2. In verses 9 through 14, we read again, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, what shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Father, thank you for the story, the truth that is behind the fact that, Lord, you not only sent your Son into the world to be born of a virgin, to be born in a stable and not a mansion, but to become a part of us, so that, Lord, today we could say and hear the words, Fear not. But Lord, we know that in this world in which we live in, there is so much to be afraid about, so many fears that are all around us. But thank you, God, that you gave us what we needed so that we could walk through this life and fear not. That we could walk through this life knowing that death is going to meet each and every one of us one day. And if we have Jesus Christ as our Savior, we can fear not. So, Lord, would you move me out of the way and hide me behind the cross and let the message of fear not speak unto us today. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. I want to talk to you just for the next few moments about the fear nots of Christmas. So the question that really needs to be asked as we begin is, can Christmas really make that much of a difference? What was there about the first Christmas that would cause the angel to say, fear not? And what is there about the birth of Jesus Christ into our world that chases away our fears from the, our world and from our personal lives? If the message, fear not, was so important that God would have his angels say it four times, then perhaps it's important enough for us to listen this morning and to take a closer look at what God has to say. What is God wanting us to experience by telling us this morning, fear not? There are three things that I want to share with you this morning that God gives us from these texts. First of all, in Matthew chapter 1, we see that fear not, the birth of Christ, shows us God's purpose. Aren't you glad that God doesn't do anything haphazardly? Aren't you glad that God always does everything with a purpose? He created the, the world, He created us with a purpose. He created everything that is in and, and, and that we experience with a purpose. But what is that purpose, we ask? God, what is the craziness of this life and how is it that you have a purpose in what is going on in the craziness in which we're living today? You know, that's why we celebrate Christmas. Because this time of year helps us to look at the fact that God had a purpose right from the beginning. In Matthew's Gospel, we find that Mary is betrothed to a man by the name of Joseph. 
Among ancient Jews, marriage consisted of three stages, engagement, betrothal, and marriage. The engagement was usually arranged by the parents while the children were very young or by a professional matchmaker. The betrothal period was next and usually lasted for a period of one year. During that time, the girl lived with her parents, but the couple were looked at upon as being husband and wife. And during the stage of betrothal, unfaithfulness was regarded as the same as adultery. After that one-year period was over, the marriage was complete, and the bride went to live with her husband. And a beautiful illustration of that is found in, in John's Gospel in chapter 14, when Jesus is talking about the fact that he is about to go away to heaven. But just like the, the, the marriage relationship, and that's exactly what it's talking about, is a Jewish marriage wedding. And the bride goes away for a period of time, and then he says that I will come again to where my bride is, and there I will bring her back from where she is at her parents' home to my home that I have made just for her. I want you to take the time later to read John chapter 14 in the first six verses. And think of it as a Jewish wedding and the promise that God has given unto us. And so here it is that during this betrothal period, the, the, they were considered as husband and wife and unfaithfulness was considered the same as adultery. And Mary is now found to be with child. What a shock it must have been for Joseph when he had heard the news. It must have looked at him as though she had been unfaithful to him. And to others, it looked as though the two of them had been unfaithful to God. And yet, God had a purpose. During this period of time, God allowed this to take place. There are two things that Joseph could do. One, he could make her a public example. In doing so, the Bible says that the law of God said that she must die by stoning. But I listen to the heart of Joseph and I see a love for his wife and he would not do that. Brokenhearted, unknowing what to do, Joseph knew that he couldn't do that. So the second option, he chose to simply divorce her quietly. According to Jewish law, that during the betrothal time, the only way to break the engagement betrothal was to do a divorcement. And the only reason for divorcement that day was for infidelity. One night as Joseph was struggling with his decision, the Bible says that he was trying to sleep and, and, and he had a dream and an angel spoke to him during that dream. You know, it's interesting, as we look through the Scripture, there are over a hundred times in the Scripture that God has spoken to people through dreams. And that is what He does with Joseph. He reveals to Joseph that which he is to do and that which he can hold on to. And He tells Joseph to fear not. What fear not meant to Joseph? The angel said, Joseph, son of David, be not afraid to take to you Mary as your wife. Fear not. And then the angel went on to explain that Joseph would not have to be afraid because God had a purpose. In the first place, Mary 
had not been unfaithful to you, Joseph. In fact, it was her faithfulness that God chose her for this very calling to be the mother of the Messiah. Second, the angel said, God has a purpose in causing Joseph and Mary to go through this turmoil at this time. God had a purpose causing them to risk their reputations, to put themselves out there before people. The angel said, stop. Stop being afraid. Because Joseph was living in fear. But then the angel again said, To Joseph, God has a purpose. Joseph, she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. God revealed the mystery of of his purpose to Joseph and Joseph alone. No one else knew it, not even Mary. God was invading human history to redeem his lost people. That was his purpose from the very beginning. It is his purpose for today, and it will be his purpose until Jesus comes again. Knowing God's purpose, that God had a purpose for what he had done and what he had allowed in Joseph's and Mary's life stilled the fears and doubts in Joseph's heart. But you say, well, that's good for Joseph, but what about me? What does fear not mean to us? When we hear those words, we're told that we're to fear not, but there is so much in this world, and there's so much that we, we think about and so many things that we experience in this world that seem horrendous. How can the words of, uh, of the angel to Joseph cause my fears to be relieved? But that's exactly what they do. That's exactly what the birth of Christ does for us today when we put our faith and trust in Him. Because God has a purpose when He sent His Son, we can have our fears calmed as well. God speaks to our doubts and says, Fear not, I've got a purpose in all of this craziness. I don't know about you, but uh, over the last two years, I've asked God, What is your purpose? I don't see a purpose in all of the chaos and all of the craziness. I don't see the purpose in the loss of lives and and, and the shutting down of the church and and the, the, the things that have happened in our country and around the world. Maybe I'm the only one praying that way, but I've asked God many times, show me your purpose. Only to be reminded that my purpose is from the beginning. It is to redeem humanity. And I must do what I must do in order so that I can accomplish what I must accomplish so that I can bring people to salvation. And if that disrupts your life, so be it. God's will done over mine. Fear not, for God promises that He is in the midst of even what we see as craziness. God is in control. We're reminded every Christmas season to look back and to experience the purpose of God to send a Redeemer, a Savior, into a lost and dying world. 
Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, Christ is the great central fact in the world's history. To him, everything looks forward and backwards. All the lines of history converge upon him. All the great purposes of God culminate in him. The greatest and most monumentous facts which the history of our world records is the fact that Jesus Christ was born. From the very beginning of time, God's purpose was to send his son to provide for us the salvation that all of us would need. That thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Henry G. Bosch wrote, Unless we see the cross overshadowing the cradle, we have lost the real meaning of Christ's birth. And let me just take a moment to say that I drove through, my family and I drove through last night, Bald Mountain's live nativity scene. I was so pleased at the last stop, there was a cradle sitting in front of a cross to remind me that without the cross, the cradle has no impact. Jesus came to be born into this world with one purpose and one purpose only. And that was to die for a sinner such as I. So if you have opportunity tonight, it would do your heart well to go drive through that live nativity scene. But don't do it during our times when we want our kids here for our party. Do it after. We'll let them go and you can go then. So don't take them away from our party. So why don't we need to be afraid anymore? God says, I've got a purpose. And my purpose is that through my son, my son Jesus Christ, that anyone who believes can have everlasting life. Not only when we die and go to heaven, but John reminds us that Jesus said, I have come to give you life, to give it to you more abundantly right now. You and I can have all the riches in his glory through his son, Jesus. With that, my friends, we fear not. The second truth in which we find is found in Luke chapter 1. In verses 29 through 37, Fear not, the birth of Christ shows us God's promise. Thank God he has a purpose, but thank God he has given us a promise to hold on to. We're all familiar with the way that the angel appeared to Mary that day and said, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among all women. The next verse says, but when she saw him, she was troubled in his saying. The angel's next words to Mary were, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And then the angel went on to explain to Mary that God's promise that he would one day send a Messiah is about to be fulfilled in none other than you. And she was the chosen one 
who would give birth to the Savior of the world. Consider God's promise to Mary. As the angel told Mary the promise, he told her there were three parts to the promise. First, you shall conceive and bear a son. His name is to be Jesus. And Mary said, how is that possible? For I've known no man. God's promise is that it won't be a natural birth. It will be a supernatural. It will be something that God does through you. The second promise comes like this. And he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Most High. Mary, I promise you that even though you're going to live a simple life and there will be nothing special about you or Joseph or, or even Jesus himself in the world around you, but I promise you that one day they will call him the Son of the Most High. Aren't you glad that God has given us promises that we can hold on to? That we can see that He has fulfilled? And the third promise goes like this. And one day, as a king on David's throne, he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. No, he may not be the king now, but he is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And one day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And one day he will sit upon that heavenly throne and he will reign over the kingdom of Jacob once again. For centuries, the Jewish people had been waiting and praying for the birth of the Messiah. Every Jewish mother had hoped that and prayed that her son would be called to be the Messiah. The entire Old Testament is lit up with the preparation for Christ's birth. Beginning with Genesis 3.15, revealing not only the promise, but the purpose. God's message meant to Mary was this. Mary, I have given the world a promise. The promise of a Savior that would be born of a virgin, and you are that virgin. Your son will be the son of the Most High God, and I've promised you that he will reign over David's throne forever. Mary, this is my promise to not only to you, but to all the world of all the ages. But what is God's promise to us? What does it mean for us today as we live out this Christian life? How does Christmas show us God's promises? Because Jesus is his ultimate promise fulfilled. We all know people who have broken their promises, and, and I am definitely one of those, and perhaps you are as well. But God made a promise that one day He would send a Savior into the world, and when He did, He sent His Son Jesus to be that Savior. Then He promised, My promise will be fulfilled in Him. 
because Jesus is the one who provides for us the very salvation that we all need. This, my friends, is an exciting promise of God. But when we compare all of Scripture with the Scripture, a light begins to shine in our hearts saying that God is faithful to keep His Word. He is a promise keeper. When we go back to such verses, Isaiah 43, 1, and you read the words of comfort, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. There is an Old Testament. It was the first hint that we would not have to be afraid anymore. The fear would be removed and we would be given fearlessness because God entered human history to redeem His people. This goes along with three passages that are found in the New Testament. Very quickly, I want you to hear them. First is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 where Paul is writing about Jesus and he says, For all the promises of God are in Him, that is Christ, are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through all of us. In other words, the promise of God covers all promises in Jesus. The second one is found in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 which says, Again, the writer is speaking about Jesus. By Him we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises that through Jesus you may be partakers of His divine nature. Every promise that God has made to us, He says that you and I, as we accept Him as our Savior, we become a part of those divine promises. The third one. found in that 1 John chapter 2 and verse 25. And this is the promise that I have promised you, eternal life. There it is, the plain and simple truth. Jesus is promised because Jesus is the one who provides eternal life for all who believe. If we really want it, he is the one who dispels fear and gloom and doubt. He is the one who can, has conquered death, and therefore, because he has conquered death, he says, if death and hell is beat, what do we have to fear? Be afraid not. I read this story, and I thought it was a good one. A young Hindu priest went to the home of a missionary in Calcutta to ask him some questions about his faith. In the course of their conversation, the young man said, there are many things which Christianity contains that I can find in Hinduism. But there is one. There is one thing that is missing. There is one thing that Christianity has that Hinduism does not have. The missionary's curiosity got up and he said, so tell me what it is. His reply illustrates the point today the missionary heard him say the one thing which Christianity has that Hinduism does not have is a Savior and his name is Christ the Lord Jesus is the promise that God promised that he would provide for all of humanity so that we would have one way to Christ and one way only 
when you and I recognize the sinfulness of our hearts and that without a Savior, we can never have a right relationship with God and we need to turn our lives over to Him and accept His salvation. When you and I personally receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, not only does the Holy Spirit of God come in, but listen, my friends, you have been given everything that you need to receive eternal life. You become a divine partaker of God's promises that he has provided through none other than Jesus Christ, his son. The final fear not is found in Luke chapter 2. We know the story of the angels coming to visit the shepherds outside the night that Jesus was born. Just outside of Bethlehem, there in that little valley, in the midst of, uh, uh, of that place in which there is calm and, and, and security, the shepherds were out tending their flock by night. The final fear not the birth of Christ shows us that God's presence. The shepherds out in the countryside are suddenly confronted by an angel of the Lord who said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Not just some, not just you, but to all people. Don't be afraid, the angel said. Because God is coming to be with you. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The Bible tells us those shepherds fell upon their face in fear. They were terrified at the presence of the angel. They may have thought, as you and I may have thought, the presence of God means that He has come because He is dissatisfied with us and He has come to judge us for our sin. I don't know about you, but the thought of standing before a holy God in the midst of my sinfulness brings terror upon my life. And the only thing that gives me calm, the only thing that gives me relief is to know that when God looks upon me, He sees the blood of His righteous Son, Jesus Christ applied to my life. Those shepherds had none of that. And great fear came over them. The angels said, fear not. When the angels told them to stop being afraid, not only was their terror soothed, but the angels' words then took on deeper meaning. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Well, what are the good tidings? What is the great joy in the midst of the trouble? Listen, I, I, I challenge you to take some time to go back and read of Israel's history at this time. It was a most turbulent and difficult time for the people. They were crying out to God like they did when they were in captivity in Egypt. God, when are you going to come and save us from our oppressors? And you might be saying today, God, when are you going to come and save us from this time of oppression? And I remind you that He has. He sent His Son. It doesn't mean that life is going to be a bed of roses. 
But what it means is that when it's all said and done, we get to go to heaven. We get to go to be with him. Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy. There is born to you this day a Savior. God has come into the world, and from here on in, the world has taken on a different place. Your lives will be different when you receive Jesus Christ, because now you have the presence of God to go with you wherever you go. If we remember the angel's words to Joseph back in Matthew chapter 1, we'll recall that Joseph was told the baby's name will be Emmanuel. Emmanuel simply means God with us. And when Jesus was born, that was the right time. That was the very moment in history that God had appointed that God would send His Son Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 says, In the fullness of time God sent forth His Son to be born of a virgin. God had a purpose from the beginning. He gave a promise that He was coming. And then He gave us His presence by coming. Jesus is that purpose, promise, and presence. And even though Jesus was crucified and rose again and then ascended back to the Father, we today still have the presence of God with us through the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is why Christmas shouts out time and time again, stop being afraid, fear not, for God is always, always, always with you. And He will never leave you. Because Christ was born, we have the presence of God. And not only that, but the Bible promises us that because Christ was born, we who have received Him will be allowed to spend our presence with Him not only as we walk through this life, but for all of eternity. You remember the words of Christ to the thief on the cross? Today, thou shalt be with me in paradise and Jesus had already told his disciples in John chapter 14 let not your hearts be troubled in other words don't be afraid no matter what this life throws at you I've got you no matter when death comes I've got you fear not for if you trust me I promise to take care of you. In John chapter 14, verse 3, we remember those words, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. God's presence is with us at all times, not just at Christmas time, but all times presence of God is made available to us when Jesus was born into this world. Therefore we hear those words again, fear not for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior which is Christ the Lord.
So this Christmas, are you aware that God has a purpose? Not only to save humanity, but He has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose to redeem you out of your darkness and to place you into His marvelous light. He has a purpose to say to you, I want you to be a child of God. And then once you are, I have a purpose to lead you, to use you, to love you, and for you to love me. God's purpose was not just Jesus being born, but what his purpose of being born does for you and me. Do you know that God has a purpose for your life? Do you know that God has a promise that he wants to fulfill in your life? through his son is God present in your life is he there the Bible says that that when we receive Jesus Christ into our hearts the Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell within us as a testimony that wherever we go we walk in the presence of an almighty God No matter what we do, we do in the presence of God. I'm reminded of that little kid's song that we have sung as children. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little hands, what you do. Because Jesus is always with you. As we think about Christmas this year, let it not be about the toys and the tinsel, but let it be about the Savior who has come with a purpose and a promise and wants to be present in your life. So fear not. For Savior, the Savior of the world, has come to fulfill his purpose, his promise, and to give to you the greatest present the world has ever known, his presence. If you're here today and you've never received the gift that God has given to you through his son, why not today? Why not say, Lord, I need you because you have a purpose for me. Lord, I need you because my sin has separated me from you. I need you to be my Savior. If you've never received him as Savior and Lord today, I'm going to ask him, Ron, if you don't mind, come. I think you got something in mind. All right. As they're preparing, I want to just pray for you this morning. If you are here this morning and you've received Jesus as your Savior, I want you to be reminded that there's a purpose for your life. You're not just trying to get through life. You're not trying to just get through this day. And if you're saying, if I can just get through Christmas, it'll be okay, then you're missing the purpose of God. God has a purpose for you today. 
Here's a promise for you today. That promise is that he has promised to love you, to keep you, to hold you, to be with you. So whatever it is that you're doing, know that he is with you. Think of that little song that I said, that childish song. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little hands, what you do. And oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Would you stand to your feet as I pray for you? Father, I ask that, Lord, as the folks are getting ready to just share in a time of invitation, Lord, we need to be reminded that, Father, there is a purpose behind Jesus coming, and it is the cross. And if people have not experienced the, the, the forgiveness at the foot of the cross, I pray that they would come to receive your forgiveness today. And Lord, for those of us who have received you, as we look back, may it be a reminder that God had a purpose to take me out of my sinfulness, to place me into his, his sonship, so that I might live for him. of God by receiving the Spirit of God in our life. Help me, Lord. Honor you in this Christmas season. Help me to lift up my voice. Lead your people now as we pray that they might be moved by your Spirit.